Welcome to the first episode of The Polycast, the podcast for polyglots and language nerds. Hello and welcome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How are you? How have you been? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. It's been a long day kind of, but but good. So, we decided to call this episode I mean, we yes. did not decide for a name yet, actually. It could be pineapple. It could be abakashi. It could I think be... abakashi is more, uh, I don't know, exotic. Yeah, Yeah, probably. We'll, we'll take that one. So I tried to do some research on it, but maybe you can start off <laughs> with uh, telling us something about abakashi and uh, what it is, what it means, and how we got to talk about it, maybe. Perfect. Yes, so abakashi is this weird fruit that um, I guess originated or is native to South America or the New World in general, right? And um, both abakashi and ananas, which is perhaps more commonly used as a term for the fruit uh, in Europe, they're bo they both uh, stem from like Native American languages right i'm not entirely sure which languages they are let me search real quick i, I can tell you i found it out oh perfect. I, yeah. I think i Please did do. so yeah. um there was this one page on the internet called mm. uh eurologersmilano.com so something from italy i suppose and Alrighty. there they said that the, uh, the etymology of ananas Uh, could mm. be derived from old Tupi, and Tupi is a Native American. Um, oh, well, now what, what's the right word to use? Is it a tribe? Is it a like community? Something like that? Yes. So in Brazil, we have um, we usually like generalize the native languages under the headings, the heading of Tupi Guarani languages. Okay. So Tupi and Guarani, they are the major um, families of, of uh, like linguistic families, I would say, but ethnic families as well. Um, if anybody who knows more about this hears the podcast, they perhaps perhaps they can like enlighten us, enlighten us better. Yes. But yeah, but usually you have uh, many different groups of tribes under the the general like linguistic group of either Tupi or Guarani. Um, Yeah, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, yeah, this is something we should get back to. And it's mm -hmm. something that uh, I, I should know as a Brazilian. But uh, yeah, we usually refer to them as like two major linguistic groups. And you have many different like groups inside them. Yeah, linguistic, ethnic tribes. Yeah, I see. That's interesting. Yeah. And <laughs> what I just had to think of um, when you said Guarani, because I haven't heard of them yet. Uh, I, I thought of Guarana, it's uh, yeah, 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 Guarana, yeah, is yeah, it, yeah is Guarana, it? the fruit, yeah, from oh, oh, the fruit, yeah, um, I thought of beer. <laughs> beer. <laughs> I think I think that in Germany we actually have a beer called uh, Guarana. That sounds uh, legit. So Guarana is a fruit from from Brazil. Um, yeah, it's uh, an indigenous fruit, so it's native to South America, mm -hmm. and it. It's a fruit that looks like an eye. There's a, a beautiful myth behind it, like a, a tribal myth that 
gives an, an origin uh, to the, the fruit and a reason as to why it is shaped like an eye, right? And um, yeah, we have this very um, famous uh, pop, uh, not like soda in, in Brazil, okay? Yeah, I, I Which think... is called Guarana. Yeah, I think that's what I thought of. Um, but up to this day, I wasn't sure whether it was like just a soft drink or a beer. Yeah. <laughs> but now I learned. I would love to have like a beer of a Guarana beer. That would be pretty cool. We should come up with that. Have you ever had it? I think yes, but mm -hmm. not not a whole um, not a whole cup or so, but a sip okay. maybe. I think right. that there was some situation where I was like, oh, I always thought it was beer, but oh okay it's mm. not um and then i got to try it and taste it but i cannot really remember i see i see yeah we should look into that as well yes yeah i think uh, i just looked it up uh, so in german supermarkets we can buy it so i oh, could cool. um, look out for it and then give it a try <laughs> the beer or the soft drink um the soft drink i don't know yeah, if yeah. there's a beer i think not yeah a, a fun fact um is that Well, it's not, yeah, I would say it's a fact. So basically everywhere where there are Brazilians in the world, there will be Guarana uh, soft drinks. And we're basically everywhere. <laughs> we are mm -hmm. over 200 million people. So yeah, we have managed to infiltrate Guarana soft drinks into every country we have we've immigrated to. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so earlier you said something about the the history of um of the fruit do you know that uh, story or myth um that is connected to it because i think that would be very interesting to hear it is very interesting and people cannot really um proof check so i'll just say what what i, I remember like faintly remember from school i remembered I, i i listened to this story when i was i don't know in elementary school so um there was this famous warrior from i don't know whatever tribe in, in northern Brazil. Um, he was very important for the tribe, but uh, perhaps he was captured by another tribe in a warrior in a war in a conflict. And his eyes were ripped off him and they were like thrown, cast into the land, right? And as a sign of his importance to the land, right? And in these those tribes you have like really um uh Ben vitalist uh, cosmologists, right? I don't know if that's the correct word, but they attribute life to all that is in nature, right? So, so hills, trees, whatever. So because of his like relevance uh, to the land and to the region, uh, the, the ground suddenly started to like grow this fruit, which um, resembled his eyes, resembled eyes, right? And they were associated with his eyes because he was killed and buried somewhere over there right yeah and his eyes were ripped off and thrown there yeah so it, it really looks like an eye have you ever seen the fruit so it's uh, like red yeah. on the outside and it, yeah completely and like yeah. like a black spot in the middle right because i'm, I'm indeed yeah, yeah right now wow brutal <laughs> it is brutal yeah, yeah. it's super brutal uh but yeah. but it's kind of an honor for him that people ripped out his eyes and like strayed them into the land so something would grow out of it yeah perhaps i mean yeah i would like to think that he um perhaps knew his eyes were further uh 
like associated with the I mean that the the land like his eyes were manifested in these fruits yeah that would like make sense I guess with these uh, cosmologies these um, myths right mm -hmm. so his life manifested itself through the further fruits of the land yeah crazy it is yeah, yeah. but I should study this better um Yeah, I was actually thinking today of uh, some uh, indigenous thinkers in Brazil. We have um, Ailton Karenak. He's a very interesting uh, Brazilian thinker when it comes to environmental issues. And also uh, his name is Davi Kopenawa. Yeah, Davi Kopenawa, Yanomami. He's from the tribe, the Yanomami tribe. And he has, um, yeah, he has a very interesting, very famous book in Brazil that I want to read. It's, uh, let me see what's the name of the book in, and I, is, and I can say it in Portuguese as well. Um, just a second, just a second. Uh, it's a very beautiful book. Oh, The Fall of the Sky, A Queda do Céu. Sorry, you can proceed. No, 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 go, go ahead. I think it's very interesting. Okay. When you mm -hmm. just said the name of that guy, I thought, It sounded kind of Latin or um, Germanic, mm. even like mm -hmm. Copenhagen. Oh, no, no. Um, his first name is completely uh, Western, right? Um, Davi. Mm. But uh, his second name, Kopenawa, I think it's indigenous. Um, but he, he is from the Yanomami tribe. So I don't know what's the root of his name the Kopenawa one, but the Yanomami that um, they, they associate with his name or perhaps he associates, he attributes to himself the Yanomami name uh, is the name of a tribe in Brazil. Okay. That, that usually happens, I guess, even in the United States, like um, some, yeah, people who belong to a tribe, they incorporate the name of the tribe in their own name, right? Hmm. Have you ever seen this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. And <laughs> here we have it the other way around. So so um at the moment Germany finally tries to yeah, to to rethink its uh colonialism history, mm -hmm. history of mm -hmm. colonialism. because uh, mm -hmm. for a long time it wasn't really part of, of um like education in school i mean yeah. we do talk a lot about uh, the nazi regime we do talk a lot about um the shoah and uh, all the things that happened around that time period but we also have a colonial history yes <laughs> and yeah. uh, i think right now it's kind of coming through that we should uh, definitely rethink how we're de dealing with that and educate about it so uh, yeah. i watched that documentary recently where they where they were talking about renaming the streets because st some street names still have the name um, or the last name of mm -hmm. high um, <laughs> uh, functional functionalists like uh, people who had power uh, oh yeah or, mm -hmm. or, were, or, or held certain positions during the nazi regime and that's um mm -hmm. not so nice or also um like there's this one street in berlin which has yeah. a name of, of which has the n-word in it still it's it's there and it's used yeah, yeah. 
mm. and uh, now slowly people get to rename it and um, deal with it. So that's how we have that here. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, here in Belgium as well, um, related to colonial past, not so much as to, well, I don't even, yeah. Relating to the colonial past, um, there were like several um, statues of King Leopold who were, which were torn down, right? Mm. Um, deservedly, I guess. I mean, of course, right? He's a <laughs> genocidical <laughs> king. Yeah, but um, I, I didn't know about, I don't know about streets, but I know that some statues of him, of his were erased, I mean, destroyed. I think there is a statue of his here in Leuven. I don't think it was torn down, but Leuven is like, um, it's in a region of Belgium, which is slightly more conservative. Yeah, the oh, okay. Flemish region, yeah. Flams Brabant. Flams Brabant, I guess it's the name of the region. Yeah. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. So um, back to Brazil, uh, yeah. when when they use the indigenous names there, it's, it's more of uh, like honoring them or is it also... <laughs> rather appropriating them Ooh, nice question yeah um it's so intertwined with our language that it's not even that much um it is kind of appropriative appropriative in a way i i suppose uh, especially because we don't really oftentimes we don't reflect on how these names stem from indigenous uh, languages right so we just we just use them and we don't pay the due respect to these languages. And simultaneously, we frown upon them. Uh, we look down upon them as if, I suppose everywhere in the world, right? They, like people, westernized uh, European, uh, like Eurocentric people, they look upon, they look down on uh, indigenous cultures as if they are underdeveloped and whatnot, right? But the truth is, is that we have so many languages in our, in Portuguese, in Brazilian Portuguese, that derive from um, indigenous languages, right? And like so many places in Brazil are named after um, indigenous names. Uh, I mean, the, these places, the names of these places were named by indigenous people and we um, maintained them, right? Because it was, yeah, it made no sense to, to change their name. So the, the, the city that I lived for the first eight years of my life, it's, completely i mean it's it's interesting because it's a mixture of and uh, an indigenous name and a portuguese name so it's itapecerica da serra serra da serra is a portuguese name which means uh, the hill i guess or the serra is a, like a geological formation i don't know the exact word in, in english it's steep hill you know that yeah. uh um, it's into this sea, I guess. Yeah. Isn't it? Uh, maybe, maybe it helps to think of the uh, Sierra Nevada in Spain. Yes, yes, so it that is. That also is like a big hill or formation mm. out of snow, right? Mm, yes, indeed, indeed. Yeah, yes, yes, perfect. In Brazil, serras usually are associated with this, uh, like, um, elevation between, um, like, the the seaside, which is a sea level and like the, the interior, the countryside, which is higher up. So yeah, Serra not necessarily is uh, associated with the sea, but in Brazil, it's mostly across the, 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 the uh, seaside, which is like most of Brazil, right? And Brazil has a, an, an immense coastal line. But um, yeah, so this, this place that I was born, so Serra means 
um, this geological formation. And Ita Peserica means slippery stone. That's pretty cool, right? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ita Peserica. That sounded yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, you, you got it perfectly. Yeah. Ita Peserica. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> to me, it was like. <laughs> no, but well, if it was confusing, you, you managed to get it really nicely. But actually, like when we were growing up, like relating to indigenous, talking about indigenous languages, right, and their mm -hmm. relevance to Brazilian culture, uh, when when we are uh, when we grow up, like especially people of my generation, uh, we had this show in Brazil, Cocoricó, um, which is a I don't know, it's like a puppet show that portrays like rural life in brazil uh there was one episode of this show which dealt with like the influence of um indigenous languages on in portuguese right on portuguese and it was so fun and they had like a, a song that <laughs> it's still in my mind like i still remember it and it's just like a song to make children realize that they have such a tremendous heritage of indigenous people right And we have, yeah, we have so many words like jacaré, which is alligator. Um, it's a, a name, well, it's the, the indigenous name for the animal. And it means the one that looks on, a, like, from the sides, because alligators, they have eyes on the sides, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, so many. Tattoo, which is an animal I don't know the name for in English. <laughs> How does it look like? It's like, um, it's a... Uh, an animal which rolls on itself you see uh do you know like it kind of has um uh does it have like something like a belt around it like a crust mm, like similar, similar to a turtle yeah because i was thinking of an animal which in german um is called gürteltier and that would translate to belt animal but i think that's not the english word but it can uh, like roll all together and then has like a shell around it yes exactly Is yeah that one? Um, yes okay. exactly it's this one yeah yeah so it yeah it's um yeah mm. armadillo mm, yeah it, it is an armadillo yeah armadillo. indeed okay yeah yeah Yeah, very nice. But very that's nice. interesting because I did not know the English word. Um, and now seeing it in front of me, yeah. it to me it rather appears um, Spanish or, or also like it does, yeah, because language because double L armor yeah. is in mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. arms arm isn't that also? Yeah, yeah, armor, armor means <laughs> like yeah, it is it is a, a like um, a Latin word. Arma in Portuguese means uh, weapon. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, in, in English too, yes. like arms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> of course, the, the both uh, you have around your body, but also um, weapons. Now, that's interesting yeah. that that has the, the, the um, oh, again, it's interesting that they both have the same name, isn't it? Because technically, like with your arms, you can also defend yourself. I don't know. Maybe this yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, I mean, everything is open to interpretation i guess it's yeah everything is <laughs> it's, it's a cool it's a cool take yeah on the on the animal yeah and it, yeah and it sounds spanish like i already always had this impression that armadillo sounds spanish because in, like if i didn't know it was an english word i would straight up read it as like armadillo <laughs> yes yes me too also because you have like two l's there 
probably is a Spanish word. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, something I forgot or was about to forget. So, getting back to the pineapple, it's yeah. crazy, isn't it? Because we started off with pineapple and now we are at Amadillo and arms and weapons. <laughs> How did we get there? But I think it's a nice, um, nice round we're taking. Yes, it is. But should we talk more about abakashi, pineapple? Um, totally up to us. But uh, I would actually like to uh, talk about it a little more because I found this this one article. Maybe I could just read it out and then we both mm. have the same um, uh, information. Yes. And I can mm. then... Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so... Uh, because we we were talking about the year that perhaps the word ananas or pineapple entered the European continent, right? Yes. Uh, so we might get to an answer right now. Okay. Um, pineapple, the English name for the tropical plant and fruit ananas, is mm -hmm. completely different from the rest of the languages listed in the table. Okay, so there must be a table around here. Um, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Messed it up again um so the word pineapple in english was first recorded in 1398 oh that's a long time yes when it was originally used to describe the reproductive organs of conifer trees now termed pine cones do you know them it's like um the, uh, the trees that have these funny yes. looking mm. foresty Mm. And they, yeah, they drop like these things. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. they drop the pine cones on the floor, right? Exactly. Yeah. In kindergarten, they, they we used stop. to paint them. I think. Oh, you guys? Yeah, I think I've painted them. Yeah, I was gonna say that like during elementary school, we used to play f soccer with them. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so when European explorers discovered this tropical uh, fruit in mm. south america they called it pineapple due to the resemblance to what is now known as the pine cone so that, oh, that makes, makes sense but that's sense. where it's come from uh, coming from yeah nice um the pineapple is the leading edible member of the family <laughs> something latin like inside here um so it's spelled uh, b-r-o-m-e-l-i-a-c-e-a-e -E -E. mm -hmm. Up to you how to pronounce it. <laughs> um, yeah, now okay. known uh, botanically as Ananas commosus, the fruit has acquired few vernacular names. It is widely called piña, um, like from mm -hmm. pine cone, or mm -hmm. anana by Spanish-speaking people. For example, the piña colada drink. Abacaxi in Brazilian and ananas in Portuguese. Um, ananas by the Dutch and French and the people of former French and Dutch colonies, nanas in Southern Asia and the East Indies. In China, it is poloma, sometimes in Jamaica, sweet pine, in Guatemala, mm. often merely pine. So mm. where does the original come from? You might ask yourselves. <laughs> yes, um, yes. That's where we get now. So native to Southern Brazil and Paraguay, The pineapple was apparently domesticated by the Indians and carried by them up through South and Central America to Mexico and the West Indies long before the arrival of Europeans. So that's where it first went. Um, mm. Its etymology could be derived either directly from Old Chupi, nanas, which means excellent fruit, or from mm. the taxonomic name thence derived ananasa sativa, ananas, 
Comosus, likely under the influence of the many other languages which use the to-be-derived designation ananas for the fruit. Mm. So, yeah, 1398 was, was the first recorded time that uh, the English language used it. Okay, all right. Well, that's very interesting. I really liked the way the Jamaican people call it, like sweet pine. I think it's yes. much cooler than pineapple. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I wonder, um, yeah, they didn't really, I mean, they said that abacashi also stems from otupi, right? Yes. Oh, no, you're right. So abacashi, uh, they don't. They, they don't uh, say more about it. They just yeah, say that I guess. it's Brazilian. Yeah, yeah, because it's just it's just really us that use the term. Maybe okay. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, the special trick now. Maybe yeah. we should look it up um, in Portuguese and not in English, and maybe then we can find out more about the etymology. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking it up. Uh, ah, okay. So dictionario uh, etimologico dot com dot br. Oh, I got okay. oh yeah, I'm I'm in the same website as you. Okay, so you maybe maybe you'd like to read it because um, you mm. might pronounce it a little more beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they say well from Tupi Guarani, yeah, which we referred to uh, in the beginning, mm -hmm. uh, Iwakachi or Ibakachi, which is translated as the the fruit that smells a lot. Smells nice. I think it's a. It has a nice smell. Um, but according to a few etymologists, ibakachi was originated from the junction of the terms iba, which means fruit, and kachi, which means smell or smell intense intensively, but smell in a bad way. Like a yeah. Um, okay, because they use the word fedir, and fedir is a bad, a bad word, yeah. And I've never smelled a, uh, an abakashi that had a, a bad smell. It usually is very, like, has a very strong, nice flavor, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they picked it when it wasn't um, ripe, and maybe then mm. it smells. Yeah. Or when it wasn't ripe anymore, <laughs> and then it smelled. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Or perhaps, yeah, that would be interesting to know if, nah, I don't know, well, if they had different references of what smells nicely or, or not. Perhaps, like, even if it's sweet, if it's too strong, then it it's just not good, I guess. Yeah. And then at a certain point, it will, um... oh, wow, English language, goodbye. So the wh what do you call the process uh, when fruit is so ripe that, you will mm. get alcohol from it. Mm, okay. Um, well, distilling? No, is it? Uh, Distillation? <laughs> no, I think that's when you... When you, um, when you take something out of... Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Ooh. That's hard. A friend of mine the other day said that um, when someone asks another person for a word which they don't remember, we sort of like adopt this mimetical stance where we tend to forget to have a hard time remembering the word as well. So that makes sense. That usually happens. 
Like this, this word is in the tip of my tongue, at least in Portuguese, but I cannot remember. I know um, the German word, but I don't really think that it's um, similar to any of the other languages. Okay. Do you want to hear it yeah. still? <laughs> yeah. So in like, German, uh, we say gären. And gären? Mm -hmm, Gärungsprozess is the process when fruit becomes so ripe that it will and then yeah. um, become alcoholic so sometimes you have that uh, with with cherries for example when they fall down and then uh, maybe pigs pick them up and eat them and then they are yeah, um, barachas <laughs> <laughs> they get bibulous mm. oh, ferment. the word for it's ferment ferment yeah fermentation yeah oh nice yes very there well we done, go Leslie. yeah but yeah, yeah, I also had to look it up. Thanks, Internet. <laughs> and in Portuguese, is fermentação, which is the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you, you asked about uh, abacaxi. Um, what I was actually wondering was yeah. whether within Brazil, you mm -hmm. have um, different words for abacaxi in different regions, maybe mm -hmm. through dialects or accent or anything like that. Um, yeah. Or is it, is it mainly that in Brazil, the word for pineapple is abacaxi, and in Portuguese, or in European Portuguese, it's uh, yeah. ananas. Yeah, it's it's the second option. Yeah, we I don't know of any other place in Brazil that calls abacaxi by a different word other than abacaxi. But there is a, a, a fruit that has many different names in Brazil, which is tangerine. You know tangerine? Yes. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I listened to the Beatles' uh, "Lucy in the Sky" uh, with Diamonds yeah. recently, and uh, there they also sing of um, tangerine trees. Ooh, nice! I only remember the first few lines for this song, right? Which is like, "Picture yourself in a boat on the river." Right? Yeah, and then it goes on uh, with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Oh, it's right after. School. <laughs> Do you know like? This is a very, I feel very smart saying this, but it's so dumb. Yeah, it's like everybody knows this. The Go LSD. Ahead. Do it. We want to know. The, the LSD, you know, like it stands for LSD. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, okay. Oh, so so the L from Lucy and. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's another thing though. I don't know if you know this um, mm -hmm. relating to the song, but like I think the time when Lucy and the Sky with Diamonds was like a hit song in the, on the radio. Uh, it was the same time when, like, archaeologists discovered the oldest um, skeleton or uh, skull of a, a, this, yeah, I think it was a Homo sapiens sapiens, uh, which was a woman, and they named it Lucy, and because of the song. So Lucy, I think it's the oldest uh, archaeological find of the Homo sapiens. Wow. No, I did Hopefully. not know that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very interesting. Yeah. They, they might have found something older than Lucy in the meantime. I'm not sure. <laughs> I remember something like that. But this this is hard because like, our conversation is testing like a lot of knowledge uh, from school time that I don't really remember properly. So I might be just like erring by a, a little margin, like everything that I'm saying. And then it's just, it's enough to like, not have anything trustworthy yeah yeah but it also is enough to have a conversation and to have people then be encouraged to look it up again yes exactly yeah 
Well, and also for I you to look it up again, agree. perhaps, and then remember yeah. it better. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is, yeah, this, I remember my professor saying something about Lucy. Oh, but tangerine, tangerine, right? Yeah. So in Brazil, in, in the place where I come from, in Sao Paulo, we say mexerica. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mexerica. And I th think it would perhaps be the same. Um, I think mexerica is probably the most uh, predominant uh, word in Brazil. I would say in the northeastern part of Brazil, they also say mexerica. But I know that in Rio de Janeiro, they say tangerina, which is like the rest of the world. And in the south, the south is, let's leave the, the south to themselves. <laughs> uh, they say bergamota, which is, I think it's the worst of all of them. Yeah. In German, it's the same. Ah, no. It is bergamota. Ooh. Oh, that makes a lot of sense because the south is the place in Brazil which received the most Germans. You know? Oh, you see, I did not know that, but now I do. There are actually places in Brazil, like remote villages um, in Rio Grande do Sul, where people speak German, like among themselves. Yeah, they are everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Like the, like the Amish people in the United States. Uh, what we might still want to talk about yeah. <laughs> is something like an introduction, because in the beginning we just started to talk, and then at some point I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe we should." Like introduce each other because yes. technically in real life this will be the very first episode of the podcast there we go let me welcome you because <laughs> uh, your name is Vittorio and you are from Brazil but we met in Portugal and right now you are in Belgium <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> these are the hard facts so uh, you have had a lot of languages around you and you still have a lot of different languages in your life uh, i think when we spoke earlier you said that you um, are trying to improve your french skills at the time um, yes. and yes i think that that's what i would say but would you like to add something about yourself perhaps <laughs> mm, yes so My name is Vittorio Alves, uh, Vittorio Bortolai Arena Alves, to be more exact. So I have Portuguese and Italian names within my name, right? Vittorio and Bortolai would be Italian, and Aranha Alves are Portuguese. Uh, Alves is a very common name in Brazil. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm currently in the, inter like in the intersection of Portuguese, Italian, French, and... Dutch, but Flemish, more exactly. Um, but I'm not really studying or learning Flemish because of quarantining. So, yeah, um, all my contacts here in Leuven in, in Belgium are mostly in English. I mean, entirely in English, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm I'm studying French and trying to 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 figure it out to learn this language because it's very useful for my studies as well. Yeah. So what are you studying? Because um, apart from the both of us, mm. no one will know. <laughs> yes, I am studying philosophy. Yes. So, yeah, I'm graduated from journalism and communication. And now I study philosophy. And I'm really interested in uh, 20th century French philosophy. That's why I'm dedicating my language um, studies to French at the time. But German is the one next in line. I've tried to learn German in the past, study German in the past, and it was successful to a certain extent, 
but then I just <laughs> it just all went downhill and yeah I, I didn't keep up the effort but I, I will in the future should I say my favorite word in Portuguese I want to oh yes, yes 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 yeah. I nearly forgot about it okay so what is your favorite word in Portuguese all right so my favorite word in Portuguese is it's not saudade which is very typical right People usually say, oh, it's a word that cannot be translated into other languages. It's something you... Which is a lie. I am pretty sure that Sadaji means um, Sehnsucht in German. But that's just my well, opinion. That makes sense. I mean, German German people have a word for everything, right? Um, Sometimes too many words for everything. Too many words, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Sadaji... You can argue that Sadaji is not really translatable... Uh, to any other language um, because at, like at the bottom no word is really translated into any other language because you don't have the exact feeling you have when you say a, a specific word right so saudade to this extent I think wouldn't be translatable to any other language because you need the the, um, the Portuguese feeling the Portuguese speaking feeling yeah but my favorite word is cafuné which I'm not sure if it's, it sounds, it doesn't sound entirely Portuguese, but I think it is Portuguese. Um, it could have an influence. Just put the part where I remember the meat, the, the etymology. Of yeah, yeah, we'll pretend as if you didn't have to Google it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My favorite word in Portuguese is cafuna. And that is because, well, cafuna is just such a beautiful thing. Um, but first, I'll, I'll, I'll say something about the etymology of Kafuna. Kafuna, as I see from my um, mysterious sources, Kafuna is not, it's not really clear as to what is the etymology of Kafuna. It seems as if it's, it comes from some African language, perhaps, which was introduced uh, in Brazil during uh, slavery. Perhaps it is uh, rather... Um, derived from indigenous languages. So Claude Lévi-Strauss, the um, anthropologist, the French structural anthropologist, he says that um, that uh, a lot of the elements that uh, characterize the word were already present among the indigenous people. So cafonet, what, what is the meaning of cafonet, right? It is this very Brazilian thing of like... Um, a gentle stroke of the head, like a, not, not a stroke, not like a condition, right? But a, like patting someone's head, you know, like um, yeah. like carefully and lovingly um, making like a, what is the word in English for this, you know? It's, it is yeah. a, st a stroking. Stroking, yeah, to, to stroke one's head, specifically the head. So it's usually done, yeah. Or like the first rest too, right? Yeah, yeah, to caress. Yeah, yeah. A nicer word. It's a nicer word, yeah, especially when you talk about the head. Um, to caress one's head. And it like the first person you you receive kafuna from, it's usually your mother. I mean, most likely your mother. But I remember my grandmother doing a lot of kafuna, both my grandmothers doing a lot of kafuna to me uh during childhood. Um yeah, it's it's just so nice. And it's specifically in the head. It's not something you do with I mean, you, you do carinhos, all sorts of carinhos to people, which mm -hmm. is harassing a person. 
in any parts of the body. Harassing, right? Uh, right? For a second, it sounded like harassing. <laughs> we don't want to <laughs> exchange that. Of course, yes. yeah, they're so misleading. Yeah, no so, confusion. To, yeah, <laughs> to gently touch someone uh, with consent. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that that would be a cutting. But in the head, it's kafuna. Yeah, and it's the easiest path to falling asleep. Yeah, kafuna. Mm. So it's a great way to make children fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, sounds so nice. But I like saudade as well. It's a beautiful word. Yes, of course. The, for yeah. for the tradition. For the tradition. <laughs> nice yeah. words, Portuguese. <laughs> exactly. I, I love them just because of the way they end. You know, like the mm. aji is very. Portuguese speaking and the kafuna, the e is very has a nice sound to it, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. When I hear that word, I'm actually thinking of something to drink, something like mm. like coffee, but but not coffee, mm -hmm. like a drink for a kid, maybe um, hot chocolate or something like that. Yeah. Um, like kafuna, could I could I please have a kafuna with a little bit of sugar, but not too much? And you <laughs> like know that's what? That's how I imagine it to work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Not too much, but you know what? Like, I think a hot chocolate is equivalent to a kafuna. It's like a gentle hug, you know, like a warm feeling you get. Yeah, kafuna. It would. It's the equivalent of a hot chocolate, or like a mother's embrace, or yeah, like a a, a nice movie on a wintry day. Huh? Yeah, those are all different manifestations of manifestations of this essence which mm. we can say is kafuna well, like yeah, yeah like coziness yes exactly. in, in yeah. words <laughs> exactly perfect yeah. yeah i think it was pretty cool yeah yeah me too uh, i think the only thing i will stumble will stumble across is all my m's and airs uh because i think it's... i do them very often no you don't i think it's amazing i'm, I'm really wondering how you do that Or if you like trained secretly, because I think you don't do that too often, oh, not compared thanks. to to other people or to me, for example. Um, yeah, um, yeah. It, here, it, there it was again. <laughs> it's yeah. It's uh, I don't know. It's, it sounds very British to me. This this. Uh, um, do you guys do it a lot in in Germany as well? Yeah. What do we do a lot? Like this uh, hesitation, but with this particular type of hesitation, the um. Oh, um. oh, that's a good question. You know why? Because um, <laughs> because when I was talking to a friend who studies French, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> he told me to try yeah. to um in French when I am oh. speaking French. Mm -hmm. So so it would sound more naturally and more like I was very used to the language. So in French, you wouldn't say, um, but you'd say, uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, je ne sais quoi, uh, <laughs> something like that. Um, in, it sounds French. Yeah. yeah, you see, it's it's just about the M's in uh, yeah. the way of the language you're using. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in English, I, I even think that when I'm speaking English, I do a lot of German M's because When I speak German, I also say um, but it uh, might yeah. be a different uh, frequency. So yeah. in English, it, I think it's a little higher. It's more like, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but mm -hmm. in German, it'd be like, um, ich weiß nicht, um, oh, keine Ahnung. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like I, I that. Can... So it's a lot yeah, deeper. Yeah. 
Indeed, indeed, yeah, very much, very much. So, so what do you use in Brazil? That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was thinking about this. Um, I just did it. It's this way. It's this way. It's precisely this way. I mean, perhaps not exactly this way because, like, like you said, when we speak a different language, our frequency changes, right? My voice in Portuguese is like sensibly different from English, so it's mostly it's like this. It's, uh, you know, uh. Yeah, it's, more, it's, it's um, a little bit nasal even, right? It is, yeah, because Portuguese is such a nasal language. It yeah. is, indeed. So, yeah, exactly. And if I were to write this, um, like I did, this hesitation thing, um, now I'm doing it. It's like a, a we'll, craze. We won't get away, away from it anymore. Yeah. Uh, to do. But, uh, but if I were to write it, I would write an A, with the tilde on top, you know? Mm, I see. Yeah. And a continuous one. So as to sound like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. And sometimes we just do it like, mm, yeah, like closed. Mm. Mm. Mm, I see. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Yeah, it's interesting because also in English, you, you wouldn't write A, H, mm. but you'd write what would you write? E H H. Yeah, uh, indeed. Or uh, or maybe even U H M, like um. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, yeah. uh, but in German, yeah. it would be with an A, like A with two dots on top. H mm -hmm. M, like M. Um, yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder what it's like in Italian. Um. I, I Maybe think something it would be like, like... I... <laughs> I, I, I. <laughs> don't don't they have a lot of ah uh, like pretty yeah. pretty um in Open. the back of the throat yeah Ooh, yeah yeah I would say it's ah uh, uh, yeah I don't know ah uh. ah <laughs> uh, yeah they're they're so loud and and like their language is so well pronounced that I think the ah uh would be a good and um they also say a lot of like accompanying this uh, stumbling sound, they usually say like "alora," "alora" when they're trying to come to terms with whatever it's being structured inside oh, right. their own mind. Yeah. Right? They go like "alora," which is like "well," yeah, "well," "well," mm, and then yes, yes. No, it's, it's it's super interesting that we have that in probably nearly every language, like these feeling words. So in yeah. in Spanish, it's say "pues." Mm -hmm. um, yeah, in French, pues. you might say. Encore, not not encore, but maybe alors, maybe alors, alors. Yeah, which is yeah. very like alors. Yeah. Mm. Oh right, right. I didn't yeah. notice. Alora. Yeah, you, you're right. In German, yeah. we say also. Also, yeah. Is it? It sounds like, a bit like like in tau. Like what? Like in tau in. Ah, in tau. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, in tau. Yeah, yeah. In, in Portuguese, from Portugal, they, in European Portuguese, they say a lot of in tau. Hmm. Um, poish as well. Oh poish. right, right. But in in Brazil, I think what we, what would we say? Um, então, daí na. I'm not sure. Good question. I don't know. I don't know. And I feel like an un ungrateful, ungrateful <laughs> son of my own language. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but what what would you say? Don't you use Intel? 
Uh, yeah. Like imagine yourself in front of class the first time mm. that you were to hold the presentation. Mm. <laughs> what mm. would yeah. you stumble in the beginning? Uh, I think I I would say perhaps, but it's usually older people who would do this. Um, and they're tr- hesitating. They would perhaps say like Bain, mm. which is the equivalent of well yep it's even like say oh it means this is well this is good i guess um yeah i would say this perhaps or na verdade which is actually in a way but that would but that would that imply depends. a specific context yeah, yeah it, like, it sounds pretty pretty um Elaborative is that the word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. That's not what we're looking for. Oh, something with a Q in it. Very Ooh. equivocal. Oh, okay, yeah, equivocal. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Not sure. I think I'm mixing yeah. German and English right now. No, no, no I think you're right. The, the word we're looking for is equivocal, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like something which can mean different things at once, right? Not even. I was looking for the word that that tells you that you are very a very good language user mm. which just showed me that i am not one of them um well you are you most definitely are but i don't even know this word you're very good uh, oh no? um in german it's uh, eloquent oh eloquent eloquent is the same in english yes so so that that was the word i was looking for yeah Oh, yeah, it's, it sounds eloquent, yeah. Na verdade, it sounds eloquent. Well, yeah, because I think what we're looking for is like a more universal expression, right? So the alora, alo, um, azul, these are things you can use in every type of situations, right? But mm-hmm. na verdade, not really. It means, it implies like a contradiction, something you, you just changed your mind or whatever. But um, yeah, I think bane, bane would, yeah, bane would be a, like a hesitation word yeah actually like i'm glad we didn't really like dive into the specificities of everyday um portuguese in brazil like the the portuguese we use for everyday life because it's (laughs) it's unlike anything i've ever seen so like i had a professor of of like a teacher of italian at uh, coimbra in coimbra uh, Professor um, Alberto Sismondini. He's a very cute guy. Very, very, um, yeah. He was just a very nice person. Um, he he spent a long a long time in Brazil. He lived in São Paulo, I guess. He travels very often to Brazil, and he said that like Brazil is the linguistic community where we are most. Um, we are the, the the linguistic community which identifies the outsiders most preeminent preeminently i guess mm-hmm. you know um yeah like so unless people speak in a very specific way we immediately um assign them like a place Hold of them out. yeah yeah like there are foreigners you know so it's like a linguistic prejudice, uh, linguistic segregation, but not, um, I mean, there is, there is a lot of prejudice among different 
accents in Brazil, but yes. the, the, the segregation that I'm speaking more is like foreigners which who try to learn Portuguese. And if they don't speak the specific way we do, with the specific words in the specific time uh, position, we mm. just discard them. I mean, linguistically. <laughs> yes. No, no, I think it's pretty similar in Germany at times. I think it was today that I saw a post on Instagram where mm. someone said, um, where someone said, shouldn't it be not a problem anymore to have people at school say, oh, wow, it's amazing that your German is so good. Mm. Just because mm. they look like they have a background uh, that is not mm. entirely German. And we yeah. still have that and that can be very discriminating. And yeah. I think it's been a problem for a long time and I think it still is a problem. Or or also when you have maybe a person of color and mm. um, they talk to someone and that person then says, so where are you from? Oh. And, oh, wow, you don't have an accent at all. <laughs> but, yeah. but they yeah. grew up in Germany and have spent their entire life there. Um, but oh, yeah. still, it's it's a thing for people to accept that there are people who don't look like Achim <laughs> from yeah, yeah, the, exactly. the most uh, I don't know village in the middle of nowhere who uh, has like a plethora of of relatives that have all been uh, or come from Germany yeah. there's also we have a lot of migration history so much like d during the second world war a lot mm. for for horrible reasons and yeah. afterwards too because of like all the migration um from syria or, or refugees uh, from somalia maybe and they are here but it's not that they have just entered and and are learning language from from the very beginning and nowadays it should be normal for everyone that people migrate that's what we've been doing since we are humans that that's exactly. what, what have uh, what has made us human even but for some people it still is a very big deal to accept that and to realize that they can discriminate against other people unknowingly by yeah. saying these things like oh you don't look like you are from here yeah. so wow that uh, congrats that, that your language is so good um yeah. It's, it really no, is, is a thing, and it I guess is, it's a thing all around the world, isn't it? It is, yeah, no, yeah. But but the case in in Brazil, uh, fortunately, it's it's a bit different. I mean, I mean, Brazil is a very prejudicial country, and so, like among ourselves, right? We are like most likely the most racist country in the world. Hmm. But uh, linguistically speaking, um, so anyone could be Brazilian, right? We don't really suppose that someone is not Brazilian because of how they look. I mean, we discriminate them in other fronts, but not as to their belonging to the country, right? Mm. Their uh, nationality. Because literally anyone could be Brazilian. Uh, the, the Brazilian passport is one of the most sought after passports in the world because oh. there is no stereotype to, I mean, there are there is a certain stereotype outside as to what is the typical Brazilian person. But we are a country made up of uh, different uh, waves of immigration, right? So we have European, we have the indigenous people of the land, right? The definition of indigenous uh, implies this. Uh, and African people, uh, uh, which came during slavery and which amount like um, black people in Brazil, they are 
the majority of the people, they amount for 54% of the population. But, uh, but we have so many places, so many people from so many different places, right? And yeah, so like my, my close, closest group of friends, for instance, we have like, uh, it's me, another friend who looks very much like me, uh, a guy who's black and a guy who's a ginger. So like, they're all Brazilian. So the, the, the problem is like when you have someone who comes from the outside who's learning Portuguese, um, which you, for instance, like right now, if you were to spend some time in Brazil, you would eventually speak just like a Brazilian because you are very good with languages and with accents. Mm -hmm. But um, but if you were to go to Brazil right now, even though you speak really well, we would immediately know that you do not belong to our linguistic community because it's such a specific way of speaking, you know, which is something that I don't really um, see with English. For instance, it's, it's it's such a decentralized language in a way. So in some places, like I've I've come across like some uh, American people and Canadian people even who thought that I and other friends of mine were Canadian or North American because of and I have an accent like I still have an accent which is discernible, but mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine which has a better North American accent he has been confused for an American or a Canadian multiple times. And that is really hard to happen in Brazil. So someone needs to be like completely coincidental with that specific group to which they, they are a part of, you know. Um, and we can like identify like the foreignness, I don't know, the strangeness of the person like in the, even like- The M's and the R's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, but also like the, yeah, this all started with like talking about the way we speak in daily life. We, we like, yeah, I mean, Portuguese people who go to Brazil, they don't understand a, a thing we say sometimes when we are speaking in our own like slang type of Portuguese, you know, mm. we abbreviate so many words. We, we conjugate verbs in a whole different way. Yeah, yeah I was about to say that even the grammar differs. Very, yeah, very much. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I was. <laughs> do you know this comedian Bruno Leish? Portuguese one. So. I'll send you some videos of it. Of his, he has a podcast as well. Um, he, it's so funny. I, I love. Like, I think Portuguese from from Europe is so good for comedy. Don't you think? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> when I started learning Portuguese, yeah. I was laughing at myself, and also when I I tried to speak that Portuguese in Portugal. I thought, okay, yeah. I really hope people will understand me because I'm not sure where to put the sh. So every time I, I would talk to people about learning Portuguese and how it kind of helps to, uh, to know Spanish mm. before learning Portuguese, I mm. used that example of uh, saying, so in Spanish, for many times, you say muchas veces. Yes. In European Portuguese. <laughs> you say exactly perfect yes and it's so weird because you know okay you have to transform nearly everything from spanish into nasal and just uh, ignore the vowels and make a sh instead of an s but yes. i think yeah. i did that at times where it wasn't supposed to be like that and then people looked at me strangely <laughs> weird enough in portugal portuguese yeah. people will understand spanish from spanish-speaking people 
Mm. But then again, in Brazil, Brazilian mm. Portuguese speaking people will understand European Portuguese people, but not the other way around. It's like it's evolving from yeah. east to west or the other way around. Yeah. depends on how you look at the earth because that mm. also, that, yeah, uh, can, can be debatable. Yeah, but you know what? When we speak in a very Brazilian way, they don't understand. But we also don't understand them like, oh, a lot. Okay, I see. A lot. And like overall, I think they would have a stronger familiarity with Brazilian Portuguese because of a very specific thing, which is soap operas. So like Portuguese people watch a lot of Brazilian soap operas and they have been watching them for decades now. But we instead we don't have we don't have that much influence of Portugal in our like um our popular culture nowadays mm. like in school we read Portuguese literature but we don't when we read we don't listen to what's what Portuguese is what Port European Portuguese sounds like nowadays right but they listen to a lot of music from Brazil and they see a lot of soap operas and even though soap operas usually tend to mirror daily life they still speak a like a more um um they have a better addiction uh, addiction is that the word in, in english you know? uh, i think it is but but you mean like they rather do what the director says than how you actually would speak to exactly. other people yeah. in everyday life mm -hmm. yeah yeah they speak like you would speak in the theater you know, you know to pronounce everything very clearly yeah yeah i mean the actors aren't they <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah in, in portuguese we would say jigsaw Mm -hmm. Do you have a word like that in German? Like similar? Might be diction. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. It sounds familiar to me, but I'm not really sure if it really exists. Now it does. It sounds German, yeah. Well, if it doesn't, you can like throw the Shakespearean card in and invent. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so um, just for editing purposes, we've now yeah. spoken for one and a half hour. Yes, <laughs> and then and it didn't feel like that at all. Alrighty. Yes. So we have come to an end, kind of. <laughs> and we've talked about so many things, though. We have discussed that the episode's name should be Abakashi. We now kind of know where that name comes from. We have talked about different variations of ams and ers uh, about Guarana. And we now know that it's not a beer, but a soda drink. And so many more things. I'm very curious to edit this later on. And I hope that whoever will have been listening to this will have learned something and enjoyed it, maybe. And if not, that's fine too. It's a memory for us then. <laughs> but yeah, thank, thank you so much for being part of this. I'm so curious where, where this will go. And... Now, now I'll leave the word. Oh, yeah, it was, it was my pleasure to part participate in it. And hopefully it will be a very fruitful podcast to go on, to extend itself to infinity. It was an honor. So if there ever will be an, a Wikipedia entry mm -hmm. about you, you can put into your bio. Or maybe, no, inc include it into your CV that you've been on the first episode. Yes. Of of the podcast yes <laughs> but i'm also thinking about a wikipedia entry about yourself or about the podcast and then mm. they go all the way to 2021 we're already already in 2021 
and the first guest was Vittorio Alves. Uh, that would be a landmark. Absolutely. I think as soon as I've reached the third episode, we can we can try. We can create a Wikipedia page <laughs> by ourselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, easily. <laughs> that, that would be cool. Okay, so uh, thank you so much. and Thank you. Um, até breve. Até breve. Obrigado. <laughs> Right, this was the very first episode of the Polycast. I really hope that you did enjoy it and I also hope that if you have any further questions or would like to get in touch, you do not hesitate to check out the Instagram channel that I started. It's called Polycast the Language Podcast and you should definitely find it by its bright orange logo. See you there and maybe in the next episode. All the best and goodbye.